It's Midday Magazine for Monday, July 17th. I'm Shelby Herbert. A magnitude 7.2 earthquake triggered a tsunami warning for the Alaska Peninsula and Kodiak Island late Saturday night. The strong earthquake hit about 60 miles southwest of Sand Point shortly before 11 p.m. and was followed by several aftershocks. Sirens sounded in local communities, including Sandpoint and Kodiak, with officials urging residents to seek higher ground. The tsunami warning was later downgraded to an advisory and was canceled altogether by 1 a.m. Sunday. The National Tsunami Warning Center said the maximum observed height of waves off King Cove and Sandpoint was half a foot. It said some areas may continue to see small sea level changes. The warning also stirred Anchorage residents late Saturday, with some reporting that they got the emergency alert on their phones. Geologists have previously said it's unlikely that an earthquake could generate a large tsunami in Anchorage. Seismologists with the U.S. Geological Survey said residents in Sandpoint, Clarks Point, Cold Bay, and King Cove reported feeling the initial quake and aftershocks. Petersburg's Borough Assembly has a packed agenda ahead of tonight's meeting. It'll start after the Assembly, sitting as the Board of Adjustment, looks over an appeal of a decision made by the Local Planning Commission in mid-June. Petersburg Medical Center is protesting the Commission's rejection of its application for a preliminary plat and clearing the rights-of-way for its new hospital project. After the Board of Adjustment session, which starts at 6 p.m., the Assembly will begin its regular meeting. Here's more on what tonight's hefty agenda holds. The meeting is set to begin with an update from Assemblymember Dave Kensinger on the borough's housing needs assessment. Kensinger chairs the borough's housing task force, which launched a survey in May to better understand the community's housing needs. And those results are due back in September. Assemblymember Jeff Miucci will recognize members of Petersburg's Volunteer Fire Department for their response to the blaze at St. Catherine's Catholic Church. Then, the Assembly will take a look at its sole item of unfinished business. They'll vote on an ordinance to rezone portions of 13th Street and the airport addition for public use. That's to prepare for construction on the new medical center. But it's a separate issue from PMC's appeal of the Planning Commission's decision against making way for the project. The Assembly approved this ordinance in both its first and second readings by votes of 5 to 1. Each time, Assemblymember Donna Marsh was the lone no vote, citing her concerns about the financial solubility of the project from the get-go. In new business, the Assembly will look at a resolution to use over a third of its remaining property development funds to connect borough-owned lots to public utilities. Those parcels are on Lake Street, Oslog Street, and Sandy Beach Road, and this move would prepare them for sale. The Assembly is also set to look over proposals for waste management services. The borough's current contract with Republic Service is going to expire at the end of August. Republic Service is proposing a two-year renewal, but with some extra costs, including an almost 6% price increase year over year. Public Works Director Chris Cotta suggests the Assembly go forward with the current agreement in hopes that by the end of the contract, the borough will have figured out a less expensive solution for waste disposal. In its last meeting, the Assembly approved a new collective bargaining agreement with PMEA, the union representing Petersburg's municipal employees. 
One of the biggest changes to the new contract is a longevity pay schedule. The new system is intended to keep wages competitive with the job market, as well as to retain employees and important institutional knowledge. The borough is asking the assembly to apply the same pay schedule to its 14 department heads, costing almost $140,000. Petersburg's borough assembly will meet at 6 p.m. tonight in the assembly chambers for the Board of Adjustment session, and they'll continue on with a regular meeting after they reach a decision on the hospital's appeal. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. KFSK will broadcast both of those meetings meetings live and post the recordings on our website kfsk.org anyone from the community can join the meeting in person by phone or on zoom there's more information on kfsk's community calendar ketchikan's borough assembly will consider adopting the town's new tourism strategy plan at its meeting today The Ketchikan Tourism Strategy Plan is a 92-page document that lays out goals for the next five years. It prioritizes managing the flow of visitors and traffic congestion, addressing housing and labor shortages, marketing Ketchikan as a year-round destination, and monitoring how tourism affects the town overall. Over the years, the plan would see updates to signage to direct visitors more quickly through the downtown core, a transportation plan, new bus services, and even a bike rental program. There would also be a new housing task force and a new housing coordinator position. Changes to the cruise ship berths are also outlined, along with other task forces and monitoring programs. The plan was based on numerous workshops, meetings, and work sessions over the past few months. More than a 1,000 Ketchikan residents took a survey that helped guide the plan's goals. About 64% of them reported they didn't feel heard by their town when it comes to how tourism affects their daily lives. Nearly 70% felt like locals don't have enough say in how tourism looks in Ketchikan. Many residents who took the survey say there's just too many people visiting every day. More than half reported that the number of visitors negatively impacts their lives, while 9 out of 10 say they feel that visitors create traffic problems, and around 60% think their recreational options are limited in the summer months. Altogether, 90% of the people surveyed say they simply want fewer visitors in town. A cruise ship calendar from the local Visitors Bureau showed that more than 70,000 visitors were predicted for this past week alone. The plan's final draft is up for adoption, and staff would be able to begin working on the goals outlined. More than a year after Cook Inlet's largest oil and gas producer warned of a looming natural gas shortfall, consultants released a report late last month detailing possible ways to fill in the gap by importing gas overseas in the short term and from the north slope in the longer term. As Sabine Pooks reports from Kenai, Those options will all come with higher price tags. But with contracts running out, utilities don't have much of a choice. Lisa Wilcox presented the report to the Regulatory Commission of Alaska. She's a project manager with Berkeley Research Group. She says she's not as concerned about the long-term picture for utilities, since she thinks Alaska could import liquefied natural gas at a reasonable price from the world market. But it's this short to medium term um, that I think we're we're all concerned about. The gas supply report was commissioned by natural gas utility NSTAR and a working group of Alaska utilities from Homer to Fairbanks, which get the vast majority of their power supply from Cook Inlet Natural Gas. 
but that available supply is running out. Last year, the primary producer, Hillcorp, said it couldn't guarantee future contracts with utilities. And now, despite decades of warning and previous close calls, demand for gas could outstrip supply in as few as four years. Wilcox says utilities will need to find new sources of gas from a mix of places. She says the first option would be to attract more investment in Cook Inlet. But with little interest there from producers, that option likely can't satisfy long-term needs. Another preferred alternative outlined in the report is to import natural gas from overseas. That could start as soon as 2028. And another would be to bring gas down from the North Slope with an in-state pipeline, which the report says would only be cost-effective with state subsidies. That pipeline wouldn't be ready until 2030 at the earliest, the report says. In all cases, costs will go up for Alaska ratepayers, who already see some of the highest energy costs in the country. The in-state pipeline could more than double gas costs for consumers. Well, and unfortunately, in this case, as you can see, the, the cost of transportation for this level of demand uh, on a privately owned project and privately modeled project um, is, is very significant and, and higher than many of the other options. The cheapest gas option outlined in the report would come from the big Alaska liquefied natural gas export project, which would ship gas down from the North Slope for use in state and export overseas. AKLNG has been decades in the making and has long stalled due to high costs. Wilcox, the consultant, was formerly a vice president of the company that's overseeing the project. Ben Becker is with the Alaska Public Interest Research Group. He says he worries about the state committing to big projects like a pipeline. And if the state is, is going to be subsidizing energy, I think, I think it makes less sense to subsidize projects that, uh, that prolong our dependence on gas instead of energy projects that uh, make us less dependent on gas, more energy independent uh, with a more diverse grid. The report accounts for alternative gas supply options only. As a natural gas utility, NSTAR doesn't have many more options to diversify its portfolio. But renewables advocates say electric utilities need to start ramping up their renewable portfolios as solar and wind projects become cost competitive with natural gas. Becker says he wants to see more analysis of how renewables could reduce Alaska's demand for gas in the future. There are long-term solutions that that, uh, would really double down on our gas dependence and and others that would reduce it. The report was the first from the consulting group. Wilcox says the next report will hone in on a shorter list of local gas replacement options. She says a decision on at least one alternative could be made by the end of 2023. In Kenai, I'm Sabine Pooks. Sitka is thinking about capitalizing on the rebound in cruise tourism to help maintain its schools. A ballot proposition that would impose a dedicated 1% seasonal sales tax passed the local assembly last week and is likely to appear before voters this fall. Catherine Rose reports. A 1% seasonal sales tax in Sitka is nothing new. For nearly two decades, the city has raised the sales tax from 5% to 6% each summer to pay down school bonds. But that debt was paid off this year and the extra 1% tax automatically sunset. Now, the Sitka Assembly wants to ask voters to reinstate the seasonal tax permanently. Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis co-sponsored the proposition with member Kevin Mosier. Eisenbeis said establishing a fund for school infrastructure was long overdue. 
for probably eight of my last nine years, I've been fighting for a mechanism to fund school building maintenance and replacement. Uh, right now, we have a whopping zero dollars saved up for our aging uh, school infrastructure. And uh, obviously, that's not going to cut it. Uh, we do need to provide uh, top quality buildings for, for our kids. Eisenbeis said that while he understood the ramifications of reinstating the sales tax... He was concerned that the state's support for new school construction or major rehab will diminish in the near future. A few Sitkins spoke in favor of the proposition, including former city administrator Keith Brady. However, Brady wondered if they would consider splitting the fund to cover some teacher pay as well. And I think that it also helps that all the tourism that we're having and continues to increase just helps out with um, funding um, the, the needs of our city, especially our school district. And uh, like I said, the only change that I would make is somehow that it goes into maybe a portion of it with discussion of the um, school district uh, going to help fund uh, teachers because we keep losing positions. And um, it keeps making it harder and harder for the teachers to do their jobs with less and less. Assemblymember Tor Christensen said he could support the ballot proposition as written, but like Brady, thought they might consider dividing the money up, instead putting a small portion toward city infrastructure. I don't know if we want to think about setting a uh, split between school infrastructure and infrastructure in general. Um, I don't know if you guys thought about that. But like if we said 70% goes towards school infrastructure and 30% towards roads and the like, um, it's that it might that might be worth thinking about. The assembly discussed the idea, but ultimately agreed that for now, funding one thing instead of two would keep things straightforward at the ballot box. Not everyone in the public saw it that way. Shirley Robards, who owns a downtown retail store, didn't think voters would like the idea. She discouraged the assembly from reinstating the tax. I, I just don't understand that. You're supposed to be saying that the reason you did it was because you have extra money. Then all of a sudden you need the, another percent. I don't know. I just, I just don't know. I've talked to a lot of people. Yeah, go ahead and put it on the voter thing. I don't think you're going to win, though. Mayor Eisenbeis said that if the tax proposition makes it on the ballot, he would pass the torch to the voters to get it across the finish line. Uh, I find myself in the position simply to bring it forward to the voters, and I want the citizens of Sitka to take uh, ownership and lead on this. Uh, if there are interest groups that feel strongly either way, I encourage them to to get out and uh, and inform people uh, as to the vote. Um, I don't find it to be my role to to advocate on a, on a ballot issue like this. Ultimately, the assembly approved the ballot prop 5 to 0. But before it can be printed on ballots for the October municipal election, it must be approved by the assembly again on final reading. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Katherine Rose. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.